What's up, Simple Pasta Cashflow? How is your first month going out to the job that you may or may not like? Some of you guys came down to Hawaii, drank the Kool-Aid, met a whole bunch of cool people, and I'm still coming off that high. I'm still wearing the same shirt that I was wearing the whole weekend. What's going on? 7% inflation. Some people will say that it's really like 15% if you don't count all the changes the last couple of decades where they call it quote unquote hedonic inflation. If you take all that stuff out, really probably talking about 15% inflation. But either way, let's just go with what the government tells us because, hey, what they tell us must be right. Now, to put things in perspective, junk bonds, which are essentially what they're called, junk bonds are garbage borrowers. And right now, that's being paid a much lower rate than the pace of inflation. Let me say that again. Junk bonds are making less than inflation right now, which says you better get your equity into assets that at least keep pace with the inflation. Hopefully you're getting yourself into cash flowing ones. But if you got money in your home equity or rental properties that's just sitting there idle, the government's taking your money in. And it's a sad thing that this is the way the government takes money from the poor or the middle class that aren't able to get into good investments. If the rich get richer, the poor get poor. And unfortunately, a lot of you folks driving to work or holding on to dear life staying at home as much as possible, working from home, high-paid working professional are the folks that are going to be having to pay for it. Anyway, we're going to be talking about syndication stuff, mostly the 1031 exchange. Hopefully, it's going to help a lot of you investors out there. And remember, we're going to be sending out a secret hui message because some of the stuff I can't say in the podcast for some reasons. We're going to be rolling some stuff out that um, are going to change that. But for now, if you want to get a hold of this 40-minute secret hui message, send an email to this team at simplepassivecashflow.com before the end of the month, before we send it out. Uh, if you're already in the club, when you can join at simplepassacashflow.com slash club. You'll, you'll be set getting this video later on this month. But if not, send team at simplepassacashflow.com subject line, secret tweet message. And I will be sure to get that out to you before the end of the month. But for now, just enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. This common question comes up quite often where they ask, hey, can I do a 1031 exchange into a syndication deal? The answer is, yes, you can, but it's very impractical for you to do. You need to do what's called a tenant in common or a tick. Most syndicators won't want to touch you because it requires a lot of brain damage in terms of legal maneuvering. Unless you're bringing in maybe one, two, three million dollars above, it ain't going to happen. And I would ask, why would you be want to do that in the first place with current bonus depreciation laws? Again, my example in 2017, I sold seven rentals and I had a quarter million dollar capital gain in depreciation recapture, which sounds horrible. Uh, but mm-hmm. I had maybe a few hundred thousand dollars at least of passive losses built up from going into deals prior that I just brought over and offset it one for one. We'll do a couple of examples. So this guy, he bought a property for under 600 grand. Uh, I don't care what the loan is. It doesn't matter, but they're going to sell it for about $900,000, maybe even a million dollars. So the other question I asked is when did you buy it? So we're going to figure out what the capital gain and depreciation recapture is. A lot of people think that they need a CPA to do this. This is a lot easier than designing a retaining wall, in my opinion. Of course, your CPA is going to need to bless the numbers at the end of the day, but this is essentially how you do it. 
right? So capital gain here, I'm just going to take $900,000 minus 600, minus some commissions in there. I'm looking at about a $250,000 capital gain. But we also need to know what the depreciation recapture is. And that's why I asked the question, when did you buy it? Here they said 2012, which is about a decade ago. Most properties, residential properties depreciate over 27 years. So I'm just assuming there's maybe a third of the way through that depreciation. Of the $600,000 basis, maybe half of that is, I don't know where this property is, but I'm assuming it's a high priced land area. So the property improvement is lower. $300,000, let's just say the the building improvement or less. So that's where I came up with this depreciation recapture of 50 grand. But maybe I'll just be more conservative and call it 75. So we're looking at it, we add up the capital gain into recapture, and that would be 325 here. So the goal here is get $325,000 of passive activity losses at least, so you can wipe that out. This guy is smart. He'll sell this property beginning part of next year. So he has all of that year to build up passive activity losses. And I know in this particular case, this investor has already been investing and they probably have maybe a head start on that. Maybe they already have it already. I'm not quite sure what they've been investing in. Maybe they went into several deals and they have already done that. I think this is found on the 8284 form, but don't quote me on this. Let's go to your situation, sir. Going through the process, maybe in the same similar fashion, what did you buy the property for originally? Thanks for being the volunteer too. Hi, Lane. Yeah, so my situation is that we had actually purchased this property in 2006 for $1.47 million, And we're selling it or we're considering selling it now at the end of 2020 and somewhere between $3.7 to $4 million. We've done maybe about $120,000 worth of improvement in the house over that period of time. We're just projecting out that the gain could be somewhere around 2.3, 2.4 million. I'm going to go 4 million times uh, 95% for so 3.8, just to account for some commissions. And then I'm going to subtract off 100 grand off repairs because supposedly that's going to lower your basis a little bit. Let's just right. call it 3.7. Well, depreciation recapture. You've had this for quite a while let's just call it two thirds of its serviceable 27 year life, just to yeah. be simple. This is California again, or there's this yeah, Silicon Valley. Okay. Let's just call it 600 grand is the serviceable life. Yeah. I think you've depreciated maybe two thirds of it. My math that I'm going to be using out of the sky is 600 grand times two thirds. So that's 390. 6,000, let's just call it $400,000 of depreciation recapture. So 0.4 plus 3.7 is 4.1 million of capital gain. Uh, good problem to have, my friend. Good job. That's all investors <laughs> supposed to work, right? At the time we bought it, we, we thought we were crazy to buy something over a million dollars. But as it turns out, it, it was a good investment. And particularly in the last year, it seems yeah. to. Especially with the high end going up more, right, during the pandemic. So the haves and the have-nots kind of binary economy out there. Here at SimplePassiveCashflow.com, we work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. With so many randos out there, hollow endorsements on crowdfunding websites that just act as broker-dealers taking commission to list syndications on their website, and institutional Wall Street companies out there, who do you trust? 
We follow a simple formula of working with people we have a direct relationship with while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. The trifecta is simple. First, syndication deals to get two passive losses to unlock other tax best practices. And thirdly, infinite banking. The problem that many astute Simple Passive Cash Flow Club members find is that syndications typically have a minimum of $50,000 to invest and frequency of deals is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ofund to learn how I always have cash on hand using the American Homeowner Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making an attractive return. I've been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where the fund takes care of operational headaches for you and pulls money together to get bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a slowdown in the economy come, because there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. AHP's latest fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes so you can make a 7% return and feel good about making a positive social impact. Invest as little as $100 by going to ahptitle.com. If you want the free Burn Zone book, please claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ahp. And oh, don't forget to join our private investor club. Join us at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Your situation may warrant it. And in my opinion, so what's bad about 1031s? <laughs> is when you're going into the next deal, everybody knows you're a sucker, right? Like we love it when we're working with a 1031 buyer because we know we got them, right? We can (laughs) use them and they're going to abuse you. You're probably going to overpay by 5, 10%. If you don't know that, well, you're probably the sucker in the room that doesn't realize it. Um, What if you do it uh, reverse? Is that a better strategy? All that does is essentially extend your timeline because with the 1031 exchange, you the hardest thing is the 45 days to identify the next property, which isn't going to happen unless you're buying lukewarm, crappy deals where you're not overpaying. What For that example one, right? That guy was looking at a $325,000 capital gain depreciation recapture. Very different story than where you're at. In, in my yes. opinion, like I've seen investors invest a million dollars and get half a million plus of passive losses in a year. So it's not mm. out of the question that somebody can deploy that money. I've seen deploy two times that and get a million, two million dollars of passive losses too at the same time. But that might be a little bit more extreme case. So if that's the way you want to head with it, you better get started now or get, yeah. get moving on this plan. But where you, and therefore, I would say if you twisted my arm where this dotted line would be, I would say one to two million dollars or greater. It makes sense to do both. Go into deals, get passive losses to offset a portion of this $4 million depreciation and capture. But it might make sense to do some of these more exotic strategies where you're, you're monetizing installments, so which is kind of scrutiny. But let's talk about the 1031, right? Like the, another reason why I don't like it is you're putting all your eggs into one basket. Yet to right. me, I, I like the idea of having no more than 5% of your net worth to any one asset. Yeah. But yeah, so this is common with like people with dentist practices, right? They started it with 50 grand. Now it's worth 5 million on your scale. For those people going to exit in endgame, you monetize installments. So where you push the sale 30 years into the future, where the taxable burden isn't anything, isn't a bad way to play it. I see. I see. So you think some combination of maybe 31 and also just investing in real estate, but you can use the... um, depreciation 
on those assets to offset the gain would be the best strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to your reverse 1031, all that does is extend this, your timeline out. But I think right. you first have to ask the question, is this even something I want to do? Do we, do I want to have all this liability on my hands? Do I want to take more debt out and get another property and have all my mm. eggs in one basket? Maybe you don't. Most people, I would say no. So for you, you would just keep the property and keep writing the appreciation. One option would be to just keep the property and then try to borrow money off of the property. That would be ideal, in my opinion. Get a HELOC or get a refinance the equity out and invest it, build up passive losses. Most people going into on this scale would be going into a handful of deals every year at $100,000, $200,000 a piece, building up that passive activity losses, maybe a million. Two million, three million. To when you finally do sell, your taxable burn is way less. I see. I see. So you can build up. So basically, use a HELOC, build up, you hold a bunch of assets, and then use a depreciation on those assets to when you finally sell this other problem, you can offset the gain. Okay. Okay. And got it. Let's, let's just use that as strategy number one. And there's all there's a whole bunch of combinations in the middle with a reverse or 1031 or monetized installment sale. Or another option is a delayed sale trust, which is very similar, right? Where all these things are, it is like a legal, a tricky legal move where you put the, put the asset into a trust and technically you don't own it. You got to do your due diligence on it, but in a certain situation, it may make sense. Okay. So got it. Yeah. Got it. And, and I, like I say, like some of this stuff is a little, is like some risks for an audit and losing an audit that it may make sense to diversify yourself amongst different strategies. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's- so let me ask these questions and maybe I can just outline like what I would do. Do you want to own another property? One of the things I was thinking about doing was to diversify my real estate holdings. And right now I'm 90% invested in Silicon Valley in a couple of cities. And so the idea behind doing the 1031 exchange was to see if you can take that uh, that cash and sort of buy homes in different locations like Denver, Houston, other areas that are that have a good combination of cash flow and appreciation. So that was the strategy behind doing the 1031 exchange. But as you point out, when you do the 1031, you're limited both in terms of time and in terms of... So that's that's one of the uh, the drawbacks to doing it. Yeah. But obviously you acknowledge the drawbacks, but you're a rich person. You can do what you want. You can call and <laughs> you can buy a flying spaceship if you want. No one's going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say anything. You make yeah. your own decisions. Do you, out of this $4 million bounty, do you want to take a million dollars and buy uh, some real estate that you own directly by yourself? Or maybe just kind of, what was your vision for this $4 million boot? The idea was, I was thinking, I have a $700,000 loan on the $4 million, which is... It's not that much, but I was thinking, take the $4 million and then buy maybe $8 million worth of real in different locations, right? Diversify in all of these emerging markets. But doing that as part of a 1031 exchange is probably very challenging because you have to know, you have to have the boots on the ground, you have to have connections in all these local markets. And so that was the vision is to take the inherent wealth in the Bay Area real estate and try to diversify it not knowing what's going to happen in the future, in this yeah. local market. And then you become a remote landlord. Yeah. It'll work at 50%. Any idiot can cash flow at 50%, uh, loan the value. Will it be a good investment where you could do better otherwise? Probably not. But let me be more clear. Do you have some kind of 
thing within you that you're like, I want to hold on to X amount of properties by myself. I'm just trying to no, see where you're... I, I don't have that particular vision. The, the only goal was, can I take this one property that has been great for appreciation over you know a 15-year cycle and really convert it into a bunch of cash flow properties? You're, you're not country. like, I want to... Uh, whether it's a syndication in these X markets or as a passive LP partner, non-managing member, or same markets, but you own a handful of properties in there, you don't care one way or the other. Yeah, because my only goal is to achieve a cash flow vehicle. Yeah. You mean you're not one of these ego-driven guys that like gets off on like owning a 16-unit <laughs> all by themselves and like telling their no. friends that... <laughs> Thankfully not. Uh, or maybe you learned that along the road. <laughs> but I don't know. If it were me, I'd kind of like to own a... F- I see a lot of high net worth people owning like a 50-unit, 100-unit by themselves, but yeah. that's a fraction of their total net worth. So yeah. just something to think about too. But that's why I asked, I don't know what your vision is. Like some people are like, I like the syndications. I like everything about it, but I still want to have a quarter of my stuff in stuff I own. Yeah, there's some value to that in knowing that, hey, this property has your name behind it and you can, you know, you can pass it on to your kids, which you could probably do with the syndication too, uh, with the appropriate yeah. legal documents. But to me, I was just thinking, Look, I this is not, you know, my only house. I have my primary residence and I have one other property and this particular property, how can I use it to diversify my real estate holdings throughout the country? But that may be an impractical thing to try to do in 45 days or whatever the 1031 exchange rule is. The other thing I was thinking about is could you do an opportunity zone? But then at the end of that six year, seven year cycle, you're still hit with the capital gain, right? With a little bit of a in the basis. So that's what I'm not looking at. Like, look what you're doing. Like you're going in as a, this is not your primary thing, right? You're an amateur, yeah. no offense. And yeah, you're looking yeah, to go into these yeah. different markets. And now you're telling me you're going to go into a crappy area that is designated opportunity. So, oh boy, this is just getting worse and worse. <laughs> an amateur in the hood now. Here's, I'm just going to shoot from here. Let me know what you think. But here's what I would do. I would draw out the HELOC as much as I can and start investing. I'll make a goal to invest a million in the next six months to a year. And sell this thing no earlier than January of next year. That way you have that entire year to source passive losses and go into good deals that make sense. Now, if you're slow, if if it's going a little bit slow, what Mm -hmm. I would do is I wouldn't sell this property until the following year, January. So like 2023. Yeah. Yeah. That way you have two entire years to build up 4 million of passive activity losses. If you don't get there, that's no problem. You get to two and a half, that's good enough. But you give yourself that long to make good sound decisions, spread out your capital so that when the deals finally do egg, it's not all hitting you at once and you're in the same damn predicament that you're in right now. I see, I see. And then, but if I have some liquidity now, even without the HELOC, I could do some of those investments. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You got money all over the place under the couch and cushions, but even better. I'm just, in most cases, people don't have too much money other than equity in their rentals or their retirement yeah. fund. But yeah, if the more, the better, right? Like you got to get moving on this, but you yeah, got to make a decision, I, realize, I think first. No, no this is really interesting because I didn't, I, I never actually about using the passive depreciation on another property to offset the, the gain. And okay. so I, I didn't even think about that whole possibility, but. A couple of aha things to keep in mind, like in 2022, after this, the bonus depreciation kind of steps down 20%, but yeah. I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's still pretty awesome, even 
in 2024 beyond. So this is all well within your window. Yeah. Not all deals does a cost segregation and chooses elects to do 100% bonus depreciation because it may not make sense all the time. But even with regular depreciation, pretty damn good. You know, it's going to chip away at this thing. Yeah, no, that's a really good, that's a really good point. And, yeah. and I was thinking about selling this property three years ago. And at that time it was in the high twos. And now the same area is selling <laughs> the high threes. And I was just like, at that time, I, I thought the high twos would be a lot. And I was thinking about actually, off- and then I thought about the transactional cost of selling it and what to do with the with the gain from that and yeah. having to go through this 1031 process. But now that it's even higher, then I was like, okay, let's really think about <laughs> doing it now. But now you've made me even rethink that. You looked like a genius back then, but now, you know what? When I look at this, what you have now is substantial amount of money. $2 million, nothing. But 4 or $5 million plus of equity to be deployed elsewhere, that's FU money. That's life-changing money, right? That's, it's if, I, if I bought Deutschcoin and I made 500 grand, I wouldn't care. I'd probably just keep it in there and lose it eventually. But if I made $5 million, then yeah. I'd take it out because that changes my life significantly. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, this is a great idea though. I think this is, so yeah, maybe this is something that I would consider then not selling it and then just taking the heat and trying to do the passive depreciation. Yeah, other things I think about, not all deals are going to do a cost segregation. I think I mentioned that, but trying to diversify too over lots of deals. But yeah. maybe maybe you just keep a million dollars back, throw it in an infinite banking policy, and then yeah, you pay you pay taxes on a million. That's not the yeah. end of the world in twenty twenty three. But maybe another thing to keep in mind and jot on your piece of paper there is maybe you do some of these land conservation easements. Who the hell knows if it's gonna be around then? But if you get, is that, get that, in a is that a trigger for an audit though? Oh yeah, heck yeah. Heck yeah, it is. All the smart people do it. The smart people who know the work who would have worked with. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, no, that's smart people who don't pay that much taxes. Doctors who pay less twenty twenty less than twenty percent in taxes, they do. If you want to be like wow. those people, bring it on. There's nothing wrong with it. Just make sure yeah. the people that you're working with are dotting their eyes, crossing their T's, they have a healthy legal budget. Yeah. Nothing to be afraid of. Just know I always say like know the risk, go in eyes wide open and what you're doing is you're diversifying over three strategies here, right? You're doing the cost segregation. That that is all very like very legal and kosher. I don't really worry about that much, too much. The whole thing about going into one building, that can eat up some, you can do a 1031 exchange there too, but there's risk with going into the wrong investment and running it yourself. As a, And yeah. then thirdly is like the land conservation easement. But if you're backed into a corner with a half a million, million dollar capital gain that you still haven't mitigated, then yeah, that's the end of the world. No, these are really good. Yeah. Is the family office thing that you have going on, is it meant to help with situations like this? That's what yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah, and this is, there's these situations are simple, right? And this is the simple stuff we do all the time yeah. that you'll learn is actually easy stuff after a while. The value is with the people, right? Where do you go for those deals? And then these strategies kind of change over time. Yeah. But mostly you're at a point in your life where it's more about the relationships with the right people. Very few people even talk about this stuff or know about it out there. And I can tell the already, we'll save you like 10x at least what you pay for the initiation fee. Yeah, that's what I was considering. And I think this has been a great discussion. To think Don't about. pay it to the tax man. <laughs> Go and invest the money in the right places that eventually help out the, the country. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is great food for thought. And I, I really appreciate you helping me think through some of these strategies because honestly, for this sort of magnitude of the investment that I have had, 
I don't have proportionally the right kind of advice. I mean, if you go to a financial advisor, like you go to a brokerage or a bank, real estate is like their blind spot. It's, and they don't know about all of these alternative investment strategies. Yeah, they're going to um, say it's risky or it's a scam. Well, yeah. they just say that because they don't do it. And that's why they still have a job and they can't make money off of it. But it's very difficult. I think what the service you're providing is unique and it helps people that are in situations like this to think through what are the alternatives and what are the strategies. And I will definitely follow up with you and your associates in person to figure out how can I be part of that family office. Yeah, you guys listening, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey and then uh, apply there. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you're the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.